life, we rarely talk about the losers. Much of what we focus on are the winners, things that we can see, and what feels good. This leads to a seriously distorted view of the odds of something actually happening. This is Survival of the Biased. So what's our topic of discussion today, Six? So, uh, I know we've always seen like stories and, and whatnot about how people like overcome odds and just straight win, like college dropout turned billionaire or uh, companies that started from nothing and then all of a sudden they're freaking big and shit. That's fantastic. Great ass stories. But what we don't hear that gets talked about is all the losers or failures prior to the winners. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we just, we just focus on like all the winning cases, but we don't see how many losing cases there's been prior to that. So we're, we're, we're having like this, um, skewed measurement of how, oh, if you, if you follow these steps, you can be awesome too. Like, oh, fantastic. That's great. But then you see like all the little, the onesies and twosies that tried the exact same thing. And then they, either fell short or just didn't kick off at all. And yeah, you wonder how many, how many Amazons have been out there? Yeah. How many UPSs, how many, um, tech companies, right? That's a massive one. Like, like Apple, right? Mm-hmm. All those, all these companies started in a garage. Um, but how many other ones started the same way and never made it past the garage? Right. Maybe even past the concept. Yeah. And so, like, you get a lot of these, right, who are, like, um, they've tried, they've ex- attempted, and they just went right to shit, right? So, this kind of horse blinders, if we should call it that, is survivorship bias, right? It's where we focus on what we can see, aka the winners, the billionaires, the out-of-nowhere successes, the, the garage band to now, like, the, the touring around the world type. And just straight up ignore the losers or the things that we cannot see. And that just distorts our ability to calculate the odds of something actually happening. So uh, we're, we're referring to like this one article about survivorship bias. And it's about, and like I said, it's about survivorship bias. So what is that for the, us that never had any major education or continue to use that? Uh, survivorship bias is a cognitive shortcut that makes you ignore everything that didn't survive some kind of selection process, focusing instead on only the winners in a particular field. Wow, I can think of so many examples of this right off the bat. <laughs> well, yeah, and and so the only successes of those of those businesses of those individuals, um, it looks like they just they just found their niche, right? They just said. I'm going to do this. And they became overnight successes at it. And it looks like it was just so easy for them. And I think that's where everybody gets skewed and they say, I can do this too, right? They did it. I can do it too. And sure you can. But what a lot of people don't talk about is how many times they failed to get to there. And you can, I mean, even musicians and stuff will discuss, you know, they'll say, man, 10 years it took me to get to this one spot. And I finally, I just, it just hit the right desk of the right, the right record producer. And then, Finally, I got my chance, but it was 10 years of trying, of grinding mm-hmm. the day in, the day out, working a mediocre job that they didn't give you know a damn about, yep. all while working their 
the thing they really wanted to do as a side project until it eventually just hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this reminds me of um, what's the name of the author for the Harry Potter books? Uh, J.K. Rowling. Uh, I'm, I don't follow her story, her actual story that well. I just remember uh, somewhere I was reading along the lines like she was basically about to go broke. Her, her whole livelihood was about to turn to absolute trash. And then she just so happened to write uh, a book, which was the first Harry Potter book. And she just shot it up the line. And then it just turned into an instant sensation like overnight. And I could imagine like, the one in a million odds or however many millions of thousands of whatever odds of something you just did, however long it took her to write it. And it just be turned, turned into an instant hit right off the bat. Like, and then you get other individuals who see that like, Oh shit, well, if she could do it, then yeah, I can do it too. And then they start writing their own little novels and just expect it to turn great overnight. And yeah, they want a New York times bestseller right away. But I think, I think JK Rowling, wrote that book while living in her car. Like that was like, you know, she was one step away from being completely homeless. Yeah. Something like that. I remember it was like real dismal for her. Like it was make or break. And, and I was like, well, it's either, it's either I shoot my shot and I hit the target or I just point it upwards and just let it rip, you know? So, right. So again, like in a nutshell, survivorship bias implies that the highest performing realization will be the most visible. And why? Because the losers don't show up. You, you, don't, you never want to hear a story about how someone failed or how someone lost. You always want to hear the success story like, uh, I did X and now I'm freaking fantastic. Or we tried this and it worked first try. Like, Sure, that's what the, the narrative will say. But of course, you, know, you don't hear how many times they bang their head against the wall. You know, Like in our case, for instance, like. Uh, we tried so many things with so many different projects and just like really try to nail it. And it takes a whole lot of failure. It's like, it's like making a, a ship turn, make a U-turn. It's going to be wide. It's going to take forever. And by the time you realize you made a turnaround, you don't remember why you did it. <laughs> uh, one of these analogies that I, that I liked here that they gave, um, it's not easy, is it? There are far more species of trees that have gone extinct than the ones that haven't, yet we never consider the beauties of the ones we don't see. That's survivorship bias. Mm -hmm. So think about over the millennia, how many trees have come and gone, you know, like the sequoias, right? They're they're, um, a last of their kind, I would say, giants. But I imagine at one time, the planet was filled, you know, those were the small trees. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or who are we to know if those were the biggest trees around? I mean, I mean, I'm no scientist. I mean, if, if please correct us. And we're not saying we're not vetting any of this, but like I could imagine some thousands, millions ago where they're just like dime a dozen, like, Oh, Hey, look, there's another big fucking tree, you know, that I can build my home on and all that shit. So. Uh, right. Um, and so, so why, why survivorship bias or why like uh, what's so enticing about it? For one, it makes us feel good. It, you know, the simple reason is we just, we lean into it because we like hearing stories of how people just overcame, right? Like, it just makes you feel good that their chances of success were so high. I mean, were so low, but yet they still made it happen. That's what we want to hear because we feel that in ourselves too. Like, well, shit, like if this guy who had next to no, nothing, qualifications, friendships, whatever, and then they just hit, hit the stars in the first shot. 
maybe I can too. Maybe I'm that I'm that other one in a million that can get it going, right? But then, you, but it it never yeah. really sinks in that maybe I'm just one of the others who just tried it and fucked up. <laughs> well, think about think about. All right, let's just use movies, right? Everybody loves a feel good story. Mm-hmm. So let's use like a World War II movie, for example. Right. And they show you, uh, you know, fighter pilots going in and they show, you know, these these two or one or two uh, ace pilots who fly around and they're they're taking uh, Luftwaffe and Japanese zeros out of the air left and right before they can bomb allied troops and, and fly into ships and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. They they. Um, and they succeed and they make it home. And at the end of the day, they're, they're standing in New York, uh, kissing their, their favorite girl because right. they made it home from the war. But what you don't see is the, uh, 49 other plane from their squadron who, who didn't make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, you know, those guys, the survivorship bias, right? Mm-hmm. We only want to see the feel good side from the two that made it, not from the 49 others who didn't. Right. Uh, going on to World War II planes, this is another fun story that kind of highlights survivorship bias. Um, so like uh, World War II bombers, they were like big, they were easy targets. They always get shot the hell up uh, whenever they go on their mission flights and whatnot. So they, uh, uh, they were doing a study a bunch of times of when to where to put armor on these uh, bomber planes. And so they would look at the ones and they see all these holes and they say, well, okay, so here's a hole. We should put some armor over there. I mean, initially, that would make sense, right? Like, hey, here's a hole. Let's, let's put some armor right there because that seems important. And then uh, one of these mathematicians that were helping that whole armor up project was like, eh, maybe you should rethink that uh, decision because, yeah, they have holes and shit, but they came back, you know? So right. they, all, all the plate home. Yeah, so all the places that had holes, we we've kind of the math will say that they can still fly with, with all those holes. It's all those other places that where you don't see the holes, that's the places you want to put the armor on because if if you and if any of the bullets hit there, then they're almost likely to go go down. So uh, yeah, so we so we know we know what the plane can take and survive through. Yeah. But we don't know the impact of if it hits the the tail and hits all your control cables. They even have a picture here of it, right? Yeah. So it's got <laughs> of this of this looks like a uh, what do you think that is a B twenty five? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm I'm not really good with World War Two planes, but but anyways, yeah. it's got all wing tips. Center fuselage, uh, and then the your uh, your stabilizers in the back just all shot to shit. Where <laughs> there is no holes are the engines, the cockpit, the nose, and then the main part of your tail going back where all your uh, control cables are run through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you didn't see the math or you didn't see the picture full of holes, you just you would just say, "Hey, we need to armor up this plane." You would look right away and say, "Well, there's all full of holes. We should probably plug some armor there." Right? And then it took a mathematician and a bunch of other smart individuals who said, like, yeah, maybe we should put armor with the places where it didn't get shot up. Because if we were to look at all the planes that crashed, I can almost guarantee you they have holes in those spots. 
So again, right? The survivorship buyers are like, well, it got shot to shit, but I made it back. But it was a terrible experience, but I still made it back. So we should armor up here. And then again, that goes that we only see the winners. We don't see the ones that lost their, that failed, that lost, or in this case, lost their lives. Right. So, so a little critical thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe just thinking outside the box. Yeah. Okay. We know where it got hit, but it made it home. Imagine if nobody thought that though. I mean, up armor in all these areas and then getting cockpits and everything else blown to, blown to shreds. Right. Um, and another one, this kind of goes into like our previous lives in one of our job areas where you would see individuals who like are just dumb as fucking rocks. Like just, that's a little bit of bias on my end. I admit this, but they, they didn't seem like the sharpest hammer in the, in the light, light bulb box. If you, if you catch my drift, <laughs> but like, but, <laughs> but these guys are like in charge of people. I'm like, how the fuck are you in charge of people? How are you running projects? How are you in charge of budgets? How are you doing anything shy of just sweeping the fucking floor? Right. And I'm sure a lot of you out right. there have had this experience too. Like how the hell this person was either know someone big or he must have polished a lot of Chrome in his lifetime, his or her lifetime, whatever. But again, like you just see like this person made it I'm like, fuck dude, if th- that's all it fucking takes. I just got to weasel. Yeah. My, I just got to weasel my way to the top. That's a, that's a good point because you we see the success stories when you see those success stories and you go, that one doesn't make sense though. How come I'm still here if they're up there? Yeah, what did I miss? What am I not doing? Right, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and but what you don't hear is there were people better than person X, like just scores better to just even the margin marginally difference better, and the only reason why they're not on the top is either because they took. They took their kitten caboodle somewhere else or they just felt like they didn't want to deal with the BS and then they left. So what happens? The the scum rises to the top and now they're in charge because there's no one better to challenge them on body. You know, you don't hear those stories. You just hear the parts like, well, scum rises. There he is. And we just here to fucking deal with it. Yeah. They just played the long game. Yeah. Uh, one uh, here. Three words, three words for you and I in that, in that, that time of our lives. Fooled by randomness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, it's funny. Oh, dude. Uh, well, another one, right? Uh, let's talk a little bit more universal where everyone else can relate. Um, reviews, right? Like product reviews, right? You, I don't, I don't know if, if anyone else does this, but I totally do it. Whenever I go buy stuff, I read the reviews too. Like, I don't just want to see what it does. I want to see what other people have said about it. And, you know, when you see a whole lot of five stars, like five star, five star, five star, five star, like, okay, this must be great. And then you see that one lone white, uh, one star, like, wait a minute. Okay. What, what do you, what did that person have to say? And they just give like just trash reviews. Right. But with all that. Yeah, so you wonder how many other trash reviews are out there that people didn't bother wasting ex- their time with. Exactly. Like. How many people, man, they just so fucking pissed off about this. They just decided not to write a review. Like, I'm so fucking mad at this. I I just want nothing to deal with it. I want nothing to deal with the product. I want nothing to deal with the service. I don't even want to see that, that person who sold it to me ever again. You know, how many of those cases? I don't think there's any real metric for that if there is one. But, you know, that's another thing. Like, um, the glowing star reviews don't, um, they don't really balance out if they're only, like, or it kind of sounds like it's bought. You know what I mean? Like they just paid someone like, yo, like, hey, like, 
write a, a give us a review. We'll get paid. We'll send you one for free, or we'll give you some money or some shit. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, no problem. We'll write. Uh, yeah, well, that's that. that's exactly it. Or who's to say it's not family members? Hey, get on there real quick and write up a review. You know what I mean? Hey, get mm-hmm. on here real quick and write us a good review. I'm like, man, your product it's falling apart though. Yeah, but just write us a good review. Okay, you know, no, no, no skin off my back. But you could also apply this right to your shop in your hangar. You know, if you're mm-hmm. looking to hire new employees or or promote up or, or you know, bring from one shop to another, you know, to uh, to promote or, or cross train or whatever you're going to do. And I just had this conversation today, actually, um, you know, with my my man, my my boss. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And the conversation was, you know, hey, we, we might need another analyst. Oh, okay. I said, why? Well, I kind of got somebody in mind. He goes, I do too. And I said, well, who do you got in mind? He gave me this name and I said, okay. I mean, I said, I've had a, I've had a good experience with them. Mm-hmm. I know you have a good experience with them. Um, everybody else says they seem to have a good experience with that individual. I said, however, I've got two people in my shop that have, they're the negative reviews, right? Yeah. Now they've worked with this person in the past. And all I told my boss was, I said, Hey, I would talk to those two before you make a decision. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, they'll just have to get on board. I'm like, well, hold on. I was like, you need to, you need to like consider, consider their points of view because nobody's perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're, you have more positives and negatives, fine, but you should really hear out what those negatives are because you know, they, they might be a, a deciding factor. Well, if it's, if it's, you know, five positives and two negatives, the five wins out. Okay. But what are those two negatives? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, well he, you know, he doesn't tuck his shirt in, you know, when he should for important meetings versus, uh, he sometimes fudges numbers and lies on his reports to make his stuff, to make the, the numbers look better, to make himself look better or, uh, goes behind people's backs and undermines the projects that they're working on and this and that, right. There's two, yeah, they're negatives, but what's the severity of the negative? Right. Yeah. Or, you know, or it's one of those, or it could also be one of those like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And right. And everyone just kind of nods along in, in, in silence just because they just want to get it over with. Like, hey, what do you guys think of this plan? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Or like those surveys you get at the end of a test or some shit. Like, how was the material? Did you learn anything? Are you going to highly recommend this? Like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Neutral, neutral, neutral. Just to fucking get it over so I can go home. Right. Right. <laughs> and then. Once in a while, you'll get some per, uh, somebody who speaks up about something like, yeah, I think this is fucked up or I think this policy is trash. And then all of a sudden, like everybody starts agreeing with like, yeah, oh, by the way, yeah. And then their feelings really come out. And like, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you brought up policies, procedures. Shoot, just even use your maintenance manuals for your aircraft in there, right? Yeah. No, not, not all maintenance manuals are perfect, especially if, the, if it's a newer airframe that's out there. Uh, flying around mm-hmm. there might be it might be missing a lot of data but if you go through and say hey we need you guys to review this uh this t this maintenance manual procedure update we want to come through right mm-hmm. and everybody just you know doesn't even review just reply responds approved 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 cool and it gets published and then the maintainers go out there to work and they go what the this doesn't explain how to do this, this doesn't show this part this doesn't this is garbage you know it's missing it's missing 50 percent of the data it should have in here Mm-hmm. well shoot where was everybody at when the reviews came around what happened there how did this piece of garbage get floated through so then it's got to be rescinded sent back and started over again right so you just double the time money and effort whereas if we had just reviewed initially and then everybody says oh approved 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 but you always get that one individual 
And it's like disapproved. And you're like, oh, shoot, man, we just had 15 people approve. And this one person disapproving, man, well, I'm going to see what they said and see if it's valid. And then you go through there and, you know, they can put like their comments on the document. Yep. Uh, and then you go through and you're like, oh, oh, dang, they got some valid points in here. Oh, snap. I didn't, even, you know, I didn't even notice that or, or whatever else. Right. Um, that's it's why it's, you know, we only want to see the success. Wow. We push this document through the review process in record time. It usually on average takes 30 days and we were able to get it done in one week. Yep. Well, why did that would make me go? Well, did anybody even read it? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Did anyone even read? That reminds me so much of that the episode we had with Jasmine, like way back in our our first ever guest episode. So uh, Jasmine, I, if I remember, she was talking about a story about how she publishes the maintenance plan, like the monthly maintenance plan for the entire division. And you're everyone's supposed to read and sign this like, OK, like we're scheduling this, we're scheduling that. We're going to have these inspections drop. OK, sign. So but nobody reads it. They just go through and it's like, OK, where do I sign my thing? OK, there it is. Go boom. And then when they start to so they say approve, 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 and they go to brief the maintenance plan to everybody, they go like, well, what the fuck? We got to do this. We got to do that. I got people going on leave and I got this and this and this. And I'm like, time the fuck out. <laughs> you guys were supposed to tell us this as the plan was going on. Now that it's approved, get wrecked. <laughs> so. Well, right. Or even if you're going through like a TCTO, right? And you're incorporating a TCTO, a service bulletin or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you don't review that beforehand, you get out there and you're like, oh man, this, this thing was written terribly. It's missing half the data I need to do. What's my follow-up actions after this? Like, is there any follow-on maintenance I got to do? Is there any objects? Mm -hmm. Do I need to take this data and push it to engineering? And if so, who in engineering? Where is it? You know, what am I, what am I doing with this? Yep. It just says, go out here, uh, remove these panels and install this component. Okay. But where am I getting the component from? What, what part number do I need? What serial number? Is there a specific dash number I'm supposed to have that'll have a certain applicable software? Like what, what is really happening here? Yes, I'm just guessing. And so then you start su submitting all the engineering memorandums after that to supplement that poorly written TCTO or whatever the case, Home. if could, which could have been avoided, which is, again, all additional dollars and time and effort that could have been avoided had the initial look been done. I think I know exactly so, what you're talking about. I remember this one time you and I were reviewing uh, a TCTO or it was a it was a modification notice. And then it mm -hmm. came with like, like six or seven add-ons, or uh, addendums, addendums, Holy addendums, Addend yeah. addendums. Right, it had like seven of them. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And they re they redlined so much of the previous shit. Like, which one am I listening to, right? And and so you would you yeah. for every single one out there, you would think like, okay, the latest rev has the most recent revision or redlines or corrections. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, wrong, 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 wrong. That blew my mind. I'm like, well, which one should we we be working to? Uh, well, what's the newest one? Rev G. Yeah, go to Rev G and work that. Well, hey, it's missing this and that. Where the hell is that stuff at? Well, that one's incorporated on on uh, on Rev F <laughs> on E uh, on, on D, right? And you're like, yeah, what? Well, how come D stuff wasn't incorporated? And then you got like three different versions out there. Like, well, this one we incorporated that, and then we put this for that, and this and that. Just it was it was horrendous. Yeah, horrendous and those and those sign offs were even worse. Like signed off in accordance with modification rev rev D, and then the next one just right after it says perform operation check in uh, per rev 
H and like, wait, wait the fuck a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that, that that was a horrible night. I fucking remember that so well. That was such uh-huh. a shit show. <laughs> I know, trying to trying to make sense of all that stuff. That's what I'm saying. So we but then we but then all we talk about was like, oh yeah. Hey, how long is it gonna take to do that mod? Shoot, we can get that done and in 30 days for you. Right. Well, that's fantastic. How? And you're like, well, it's because we finally, somebody got their life together and incorporated all the changes, red lines, part revisions, serial numbers, reference points, follow on actions, finally got their life together and put all that stuff into one solid document. Right. So all we see is that one solid document. Somebody's like, man, this is really well done. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You didn't see the four years of BS <laughs> it took to build up to build up to that one solid document you get what i'm saying right yes you know uh or what's an <laughs> what was another one jesus christ i'm having so many freaking terrible flashbacks of those right now um <laughs> uh, there, there was an there was another one where like the bean counters or whoever was the one who plans out these actions they say like well how long is this gonna take oh it takes about 30 minutes like wow 30 minutes all right cool but that 30 minutes was like record time you know so they go off of the record time person like, okay, so this guy did it in 30 minutes. Let's like, let's add, let's um, add in some extra five minutes or some shit just because, you know, he we know he's stellar. But the next person below him or the next or the average person besides that person who made the record time does it in like 45 to an hour. Right. So then you, you build the plan saying, okay, you can get done in 25 minutes plus or minus five minutes. And then. Everyone up the up the wall is like freaking the fuck out. Like, why is this taking so long to do? Like, because this is what really happens. This is how long it really takes. We're like, well, how the hell? Did well, that yeah, one you person- also have to take into consideration the level of the technician doing the job, right? Is right. the person been around twenty years on that airframe and knows it inside and out, or they fresh out of tech school and uh, and this is the first time they're seeing this specific model of an airframe, right? And and this specific component and their first time maybe even reading legit drawings and and trying to figure that out right so there's a learning curve yes but you know again like oh we want to see the record time we want to see record time all the time like i'm gonna tell you that's not gonna happen because <laughs> when right. rec- record time all the time was by a couple of people and they moved on what it with whatever they had going on with their lives so now we're stuck with the average person which is the actual timeline of how this is supposed to take. And now you're freaking out because now you're, you've only budgeted yourself for uh record time instead of average time. And now you're in the hole by however many minutes or hours or whatever the fuck. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It took double the time and everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs. It's like, why the fuck is this taking so long? Like, well, this is how long it's supposed to take. Like, what do you mean? This is how long? Yeah, it is. <laughs> And I think maybe this whole survivorship bias thing, if you really think about it, maybe this is why a lot of us are the way we are and we want it now, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I have even discussed that about this this very podcast. Like, man, why we want to we want to go to these conventions and we want to talk with these guests and we want it now, 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 now. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think because of that survivorship bias, you see other podcast platforms out there and you're like, dang, those people got multi-millions of viewers and they got all the sponsorship and they got all these things right and we're going well you know i want that too i'm doing the same thing but you know it's not a fair comparison we've been doing it for you know x amount of time and they've been doing it for 
eight times the length that we've been doing, right? Right. So it's it's just I think the survivorship bias and by only focusing on the success, we we as a society get impatient and lose track of the overall goal. We get discouraged too quickly. Yes. We go, well, I've been doing this for six months and I haven't and I haven't become uh internationally recognized in my field of expertise and I'm not an ace fighter pilot right now and I don't have uh ninety five thousand flight hours under my belt. Um yeah. but look at this pilot over here. He's got he's got ninety five thousand hours. Well yeah the individuals, you know, seventy five years old and has been flying since they were fifteen. Like, you know, it's just and you're and you're twenty two. It's not a fair comparison. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or a lot of people like they compare themselves to like say, let's say for example, or let's take podcasting, right? Like with Joe Rogan, Jocko, and all those other big name podcasters. Like for one, um, guys like Joe Rogan have been podcasting or doing something similar to that effect for like ten plus years. Back when like pod like the closest thing to podcasting was listening to Larry King on CNN, you know? <laughs> so you know, you don't you you don't really hear like how long he's been in the game. You just see the part where like, oh, he signed a deal, uh, however many million dollar deal with Spotify or or X uh, listening platform. Like, oh fuck, well, I just heard of Joe Rogan like maybe three some years ago. So if I just stick around, I'll do that too. Sure, sure you can. Right, but, but also what you got to put in the time to realize work. is when they're t- when they're looking at these successful businesses is that a lot of these. A lot of these uh, people had um, a name. They had made a name for themselves even before the thing that they're really popular for, right? Yes. So let's look at let's look at like uh, you know some some pro athletes. Like, oh man, they're the best. They went straight to pro. This and that, and you're like, well, not really. They were, you know, four year all state basketball player in wherever they grew up. And then, oh, they went to college and played two years of college before the NBA said, dang, this person has some real talent. Let's move them up to the big time, right? Mm-hmm. People just think they woke up and were like, hey, you're on the Lakers now. And you're like, that's not how it works. You know, no, you gotta, heck no. You got to put in some effort somewhere. Yeah. Well, like even for us, for example, let, let's put it, let's put us in the limelight. When we started this thing, we had no fucking clue what to do. And we went through the ass pain and a half to get to get even remotely as uh, decent as we are now. The only one who really knew what the hell he was doing was Shoreline. The rest of us were like, fuck, what do I do? And so... Yeah, because in all reality, we might still be using our phones right now, if that's the case, until, until right? And and we're going, man, we might have even get up, given up by now because, like, man, we don't have the right equipment. We're not, we're not set up like these other people are. We might as well just hang it up. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we'd be one of those non-success stories Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're talking about here today, you know? Yeah. Uh, but what made us uh, big, honestly, it's been you all, the listeners. And then two is just, we, you just got to stick with the grind. You know, you got to accept the failure and know that other people fail. And then for us, we were, we were hearing stories like, if you even make it past episode seven, you guys are in a good, you are better than 50% of the podcasts out there. I'm like, holy shit, seven? Like people just hang, hang it up and call it quits after seven? Like, oh yeah. And then after you go past seven and you got three months and then six months and then after your first year, I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, is it really that bad? Like, oh, yeah. Some people like burn out and pod fade or whatever the heck it is. I'm like, wow, dude. So like 
when other podcasters like talk to us or like try to bounce ideas off of us, I just said like, dude, just don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about the equipment. Don't worry about how much you got to shell in to make it work. As long as you uh, have the mentality that no one's just going to immediately pick up on your shit, but you still like doing it, it's going to even out eventually. Now, in our in, in our case, look at us. Like we didn't think nothing of it, and we went through all the ass pain uh, that it, there was to create this and to keep it going, and then to come a, a win the best leisure in the veteran podcast awards, and then being second place for best overall in the podcast awards. If you told us this like a year and some change ago, before we even came up with the idea of a podcast, we'd be we'd be laughing at your face like fuck no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, nah, that's not. That ain't us, fam. We're not going to be there type thing. But but yet here we are. Mm-hmm. And think about it for like those of you going through A&P school. I know I had the thoughts when I was in A&P school. Like, what what am I doing here? Like, like you you see these uh, companies come through, right? And they're doing interviews and they're looking to hire people. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been this places around the world. And I've worked on this many platforms. And I've got this many accredit- you know, accreditations. Mm-hmm. To my name i've done all this stuff and you're like man it's gonna take me forever to get there i'll never i'll never get those many certifications i'll never be that good well well it, you know don't don't set yourself up for failure and be and be one of the the uh unsuccess stories right stick with the grind put in the time and you'll get there eventually yeah yeah don't don't let the age and time be a thing because i've seen a flip side of this where you see this one person who's just like golden child like he just absorbs everything like a sponge uh gets all the practical work done like record time like just a freaking all-star right they're like wow this dude's going fucking places right and then you hear all these other success stories like so-and-so was like master amp mechanic in like i don't know two years was valedictorian of his amp class blah 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 just like like hole in ones all day long 18 for 18 hole in ones and and but uh what you don't hear is you get the guys who were top of their class, got the best grades, got the best practicals and all this shit. And then they see them and then they go to the line and they fucking suck. Right. Like just, I don't know what happened. They just like the the stress got to them. The, the, what's it? The, the negativity from not just being hot shit from day one got to them or no one giving a shit that they were like the best uh, safety wire tech or some shit like that. And they're like, and eventually they just said, they just stopped trying like, well, whatever, fuck it. Well, I like I like this statement here. Um, much of life is random. Many of these massive outsized wins are as much to do with luck as they are to habits of the rich. Ooh, yeah. I mean, by all means, like have that that uh that rich mindset to like want to do good, but just know like just because you have the mindset, it doesn't. It's not going to be the carry all end all. Right. Uh. So like. So go ahead. How do we combat survivors survivorship bias? So. Uh, so you got and to get a clear look of at the odds, you gotta be willing to hear the stories of failures. You just have to know like how many people have failed to get to this. So you can really balance out like where do I fit in and what was the average? Am I, am I close to it, right? And then just try to learn as much as you can from their failures, so you don't repeat the same shit. You know that there's a reason why people uh, publish stuff like lessons learned. Hint, hint, wink, wink for everyone out there. Lessons learned. <laughs> <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. then, so and then we tend to think that traders were successful because they are good and perhaps they did turn out good but we got to consider the them good just because they make money we also have to 
one that can make money in the financial market totally out of randomness like you said like it it was like a total shot in the dark we and then it just so happened to be the miracle shot that once in a lifetime will ever happen you know yeah i mean look at all these like uh these bitcoins or this um what do they call those uh oh cryptocurrency cryptocurrencies there you go um who who would have thought that those would have been as popular as they were you know and and everybody goes crypto money so it's just electronic money what, what the hell is that like that's that's not that's nothing you can't have only money is money <laughs> yeah <laughs> right only hard money is money this crypto this is just fake fake stuff until it takes somebody successful like elon musk right mm-hmm. that's another we we attribute to him for all his successes and everything else but i think he would probably be one of the first ones to tell you how many how many failures it took for him to get to the stage he's at in life right now with his with his business endeavors but you know because he's successful and he says i i'm interested in cryptocurrency everybody else goes man if he's in on it i'm in on it too right yeah he's got money and i want money yes let's just say let's just say spacex was a massive flop he tried you know everything he's up to this point instead of having any successes have all been failures and he just keeps plugging away plugging away and then he comes and says I want to do cryptocurrency and people are like, yeah, yeah, right, bro. Whatever. You can't even make a spaceship go. Like we think we're going to take your word for, for monies. Yeah. Like, not happening. No, absolutely not. Right. And again, like uh, there was this one uh, saying, I can't remember how the whole thing went, but it's like, uh, I didn't fail. I just found that many more. T- I just found that how it, something shouldn't work. Right. So uh, I didn't fuck it up. I just figured out what doesn't work, and then I'll just never do that again. You know, if we just tr- if we just treat it as that, then like, okay, I'm just that much cl- I'm that much closer to success. It's a learning, growing experience, right? And so instead of just getting down and discouraged, you say, okay, I tried that. That didn't work. But look, that's what most of what science is, right? Yes. And and who was the guy? What was that show that was on a long time ago? It was really cool, MythBusters. Yeah. And the one one guy on there, I think his name was Jamie, mm-hmm. the red haired guy. And he he had a saying and it was the only difference between science and screwing or, and screwing around is writing it down. <laughs> so, I mean, think about it. Think about if you're in your businesses or your endeavors or you're trying to learn a new skill or want to get better at carburetors or whatever. Um, you know, the only difference in, in, in that is just writing down. OK, that didn't work. Uh, try the next thing. Oh, that didn't work. Try the next thing and just keep going on and on until and you're going to eventually hit that one that, that sinks. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. If you have the tenacity to stick with it that long, it's tough. I get it. Right. Time and money and everything else. You can say, well, I sunk all my savings into this and I don't have any more savings to keep me afloat to try the new things. Understood. Get it 100 percent. Right. But but if you have the uh, abilities, you know, hang in there. It'll it'll come to fruition. Right. And and again, like, don't don't. Like put uh, all your bets on on the one freaking roll dice roll, you know. Like have a little bit spread out and not all like trying to be on high odds, you know. Uh, that mm-hmm. that goes with anything, like some like shit like stock. You obviously don't put everything into a high risk <laughs> gain loss, you know. You kind of want to just spread spread the load a little bit. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's really what it is. Like it's more or less just exactly like science. It's if you don't write it down and keep track of what you did or didn't do, then you're just shooting in the dark and just doomed to repeat the same shit over and over again with like the just as many odds of hitting the lucky strike 
than you would if you just didn't start in the first place. <laughs> right. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Wow. I feel so much smarter after reading this. <laughs> uh, uh, final thoughts, brother. Uh, my final thoughts are going to be one of the last sentences of this article. Position yourself for unlimited gains and limited losses. Ooh, that's really good. That that, that kind of rolls into the whole bet thing. I'm saying this as I got poker chips in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see what this is. This says uh, quality, and this one says uh, foot fod buster. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Who, wa- who wants a freaking uh, a poker chip that says fod buster? <laughs> Uh, my final my final thoughts on this is rinse and repeat what the whole article and MVP said like uh, look at everything not just the success here are the failures too and just weigh it out like where you are in reference to both the success and the failures and then learn from what they did do or didn't do and then tailor that to your style and then mo- and then apply it that way because if you're just like grinding it out grinding it out grinding it out and just hoping for that lucky shot you're going to be just like myself and a bunch of others who just go to the gas station and just pray that lotto ticket is the winning number when you know it's not going to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hope is a powerful thing and, and hope is all we have. Yes. Right. It ru- <laughs> runs in hopes and dreams. Hopes and dreams. <laughs> choo choo. <laughs> uh, but again, like uh just apply yourself know your limits know where your success and your failures are document it if you need to or if you're just really good at keeping track but somehow keep track and just stick with it um it eventually evens itself out and then you're at higher odds of hitting success than if you just shoot yourself uh, shoot around in the dark and just pray for that one lucky strike uh well on that note thanks everybody for listening <laughs> bye everyone bye We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Frushauer, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media, such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.